Chapter One of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Andrus. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter One The Yellow Poster. Oh, look there, Nan cried Bess Harley suddenly, as they turned into High Street from the avenue on which Tilbury's high school was situated. "'Look where?' queried Nan Sherwood promptly. "'Up in the air, down on the ground, or all around?' And she carried out her speech in action, finally spinning about on one foot in a manner to shock the more staid Elizabeth. "'Oh, Nan!' "'Oh, Bess!' mocked her friend. She was a rosy-cheeked, brown-eyed girl, with fly-away hair, a blue tam-o'-shanter set jauntily upon it, and a strong, plump body that she had great difficulty in keeping still enough in school to satisfy her teachers. "'Do behave, Nan,' begged Bess. "'We're on the public street.' "'How awful!' proclaimed Nan Sherwood, making big eyes at her chum. "'Why, folks know we're only high-school girls, so of course we're crazy. Otherwise we wouldn't be high-school girls.' nonsense cried bess interrupting do be reasonable nan and look yonder what do you suppose that crowd is at the big gate of the atwater mills nan sherwood's merry face instantly clouded she was not at all a thoughtless girl although she was of a sanguine cheerful temperament the startled change in her face amazed bess oh dear the lady cried what is it surely there's nobody hurt in the mills your father I'm afraid, Bess, dear, that it means that there are a great many hurt in the mills. Oh, Nan, how horridly you talk, cried Bess. That is impossible. Not hurt in the machinery, not mangled by the looms, Nan went on to say gravely, but dreadfully hurt nevertheless, Bess. Father has been expecting it, I believe. Let's go and read the poster. Why, it is a poster, isn't it? cried Bess. What does it say? The two schoolgirls, both neatly dressed and carrying their bags of textbooks, pushed into the group before the yellow quarter-sheet poster pasted on the fence. The appearance of Nan and Bess was distinctly to their advantage when compared with that of the women and girls who made up the most of the crowd interested in the black print upon the poster. The majority of these whispering, staring people were foreigners. All bore marks of hard work and poverty. The hands of even the girls in the group were red and cracked. It was sharp winter weather, but none wore gloves. If they wore a head covering at all, it was the shawl gathered at the throat by the clutch of frost-bitten fingers. There was snow on the ground, but few wore overshoes. They crowded away from the two well-dressed high school girls, looking at them askance. Bess Harley scarcely noticed the mill-hands' wives and daughters. She came of a family who considered these poor people little better than cattle. Nan Sherwood was so much interested in the poster that she saw nothing else. It read, Notice. Two weeks from date, all departments of these mills will be closed until further notice. Final payment of wages due will be made on January 15th. Oversupply of our market and the prohibitive price of cotton make this action a necessity. Atwater Mills Company, December 28th. "'Why, dear me,' murmured Bess, "'I thought it might really be something terrible.' 
Come on, Nan, it's only a notice of a vacation. I guess most of them will be glad to rest a while. And who is going to pay for their bread and butter while the poor creatures are resting? asked Nan seriously, as the two girls moved away from the group before the yellow poster. Dear me, Nan, her chum cried, you do always think of the most dreadful things. It troubles me to know anything about poverty and poor people. I can't help them, and I don't want to know anything about them. If I didn't know that you are better than your talk, Bess, said Nan, still gravely, I'd think you a most callous person. You just don't understand. These poor people have been fearing this shutdown for months, and all the time they have been expecting it, they have been helpless to avert it, and unable to prepare for it. They might have saved some of their wages, I suppose, said Bess. I heard Father say the other night how much money the mills paid out in a year to the hands, some perfectly enormous sum. But just think how many people that has to be divided among, urged Nan. Lots of the men earn only eight or nine dollars a week, and have families to support. Well, of course they don't have to be supported as we are, objected the easy-minded Bess. Anyway, my father says frugality should be taught to the poor just the same as reading and writing. They ought to learn how to save. When you only earn just enough to supply your needs, and no more, how can you divide your income so as to hoard up any part of it? Dear me, don't ask questions in political economy out of school, Nan, cried Bess, forgetting that she had started the discussion herself. I just hate that study, and wish we didn't have to take it. I can't answer that question anyway. I'll answer it, then, declared Nan. If you are a mill-hand, your stomach won't let you save money. There probably won't be a dozen families affected by the shutdown who have more than ten dollars saved. Goodness, you don't mean that that's true. Why, Dad gives me that much to spend on myself each month, Bess cried. The poor things! Even if they are frowsy and low, I am sorry for them. But, of course, the shutdown doesn't trouble you, Nan. Not personally, I mean. Your father has had a good position for so many years. I'm not at all sure that it won't trouble us, Nan interposed gravely. But, of course, we are not in danger of starvation. She felt some delicacy about entirely confiding in Bess on the subject. Nan had heard the pros and cons of the expected closing of the mills, discussed at home almost every day for weeks past, but family secrets should never be mentioned outside the family circle, as Nan very well knew. Well, sighed Bess, whose whole universe revolved around a central son called Self, as is in the case with many girls brought up by indulgent parents. I hope, dear, that this trouble won't keep you from entering Lakeview with me next fall. Nan laughed. There never was a chance of my going with you, Bess, and I've told you so often enough. Now, don't you say that, Nan Sherwood, cried her chum. I've just made up my mind that you shall go, and that's all there is to it. You've just got to go. You mean to kidnap me and bear me off to that ogre's castle, whether or not? It's the very nicest school that ever was, cried Bess, and such a romantic place. Romantic, repeated Nan curiously. Yes, indeed, a great big stone castle overlooking Lake Michigan, a regular fortress, they say. It was built years ago by Colonel Gilpatrick French, when he came over from Europe with some adventurous Irishmen, who thought all they had to do was to sail over to Canada, and the whole country would be theirs for the taking. Goodness me, I've read something about that, said Nan, interested. 
well lakeview hall as the school is called was built by that rich colonel french and they say there are dungeons under it where they keep their jams and preserves now i suppose laughed nan and secret passages down to the shore of the lake and the great hall where the brave irishmen used to drill is now the assembly hall of the school sounds awfully interesting admitted nan and dr beulah prescott who governs the hall the preceptress you know is really a very lovely lady my mother says went on the enthusiastic beth my mother went to school to her at ferncliff oh bess nan said warmly it must be a perfectly lovely place but i know i can never go there don't you say that don't you say that cried the other girl i won't listen to you you've just got to go i'm afraid you'll have to kidnap me then repeated nan with a rueful smile i'm very sure that my father won't be able to afford it especially now that the mills will close oh nan i think you're too mean wailed her friend it's my pet project you know i've always said we should go to preparatory school together and then to college nan's eyes sparkled but she shook her head we sat together in primary school and we've always been in the same grade through grammar and into high went on bess who was really very faithful in her friendships it would just break my heart nan if we were to be separated now nan put her arm about her they had reached the corner by bess's big house where they usually separated after school don't you cry honey nan begged her chum you'll find lots of nice girls at that lakeview school i am sure dearly love to go with you but you might as well understand right now dear that my folks are poor poor gasped bess too poor to send me to lakeview nan went on steadily and with the mills closing as they are we shall be poorer still i may have to get a certificate as bertha pike did and go to work so you mustn't think any more about my going to that beautiful school with you stop i won't listen to you another moment nan sherwood cried bess and sticking her fingers in her ears she ran angrily away and up the walk to the front door nan walked briskly away toward amity street she did not turn back to wave her hand as usual at the top of the hill End of chapter one